I'm in a different time, maybe cause I'm from a rap place I don't stress about the same things, I done leveled up like all day I done came a boy a long ways, I done came a boy a long ways I done came a boy a long ways, I done came a boy a long ways Maybe cause I'm in a different time, maybe cause I'm from a rap place I don't stress about the same things, I done leveled up like all day I done came a boy a long ways Joining us today, I know we um pretty much was talking about yesterday how you, you 50k and, and I know I came off the wrong way. I probably came off entitled. I'm sorry about that. I apologize. So I wanted to clear some things up tonight and let y'all know um that if you actually can do a lot with 50k. You can do uh, more than you actually could think with 50k a year um as far as the salary. But you need to be disciplined. You need to be diligent and you need to have certain type a certain type of mindsets to be successful with that much money because most people think okay I'm making 20 30k a year now I can just go ahead and you know go crazy and, you know I'm making three times or two times as much money as I made ever so I ain't gonna have no problems I ain't gonna be able to pay the bill I mean I ain't gonna have no struggles paying the bills you know but it's not really like that you got to have a certain mindset to be able to um, have self-control you know and not add all these extra bills and these extra expenses that's going to catch up with you in the end. So, before I get too deep into it, just want to introduce y'all to my boy Jalen. Um, Jalen Seawood is on the stream with me tonight. Um, he's not on camera, but you, know, you probably can hear his voice. Uh, so, I know you can hear his voice. So, Jalen, go ahead, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, what's up? Uh, I don't know. What's the name of your channel? It's just uh, Don't Keep Scrolling. Don't Keep Scrolling is the name yeah. of the show. Episode three, we on right now. So. Yeah. So, what's up to all my Don't Keep Scrolling fans? As he said, my name is Jalen Seward. I'm a longtime friend of this guy. Um, kind of one of the reasons why I guess I wanted to join in on this episode because uh, one of the conversations we had on Facebook the other day, I felt like Sterling was being Sterling and wasn't trying to see things from a, a, a slightly lower perspective. So, I, I feel like I needed to chime in. Um, so, yeah, that's me. So, yeah, um, also... Once again, if you're watching this, you know, just pay attention and take some good notes. And um, if you got any questions, you know, let me know what questions you got. Like, um, subscribe to my channel. You know, if, you, if you're not familiar with my YouTube, um, I got the link at the bottom, at the bottom bar. I got all my social media, my YouTube, my Twitter, and my um, Instagram. I didn't add a Twitch link up there, but my Twitch is the same as the um, YouTube and the Instagram, Large7. So, yeah. Um, just to go ahead and get started, um, first thing I wanted to touch on tonight is people, like I said before, people really, you know, need to know that things could easily go south, you know, even if you're making that 50k a year, because I don't want people to re repeat the same mistakes I made, you know, when I started making uh, my first real money in life, you know, I, um, long story short, you know, back in, what, 2016, as soon as I graduated from college, moved out here to the Raleigh-Durham area, and um, got a good job with Verizon at the time. Was on a contract as a um, software tester. That was a year contract. Um, that was my first time making some real money. You know, then ended up getting hired permanently by Verizon at the end of the year. 
So from 2017, beginning of 2017, all the way up to what March of 2019, last year, I was a network engineer at Verizon, um, the Verizon Enterprise headquarters out in Cary. And um, yeah, my, my income went up every year. Things, you know, on paper, things look great, but every year I was struggling more and more. Every year I had new issues come up, you know, new bills come up um, and things like that. And pretty much, you know, that just resulted in me living paycheck to paycheck, even though I was making more money than most people ever make while, while I'm coming from, you know. And so, and this is what me being, you know, I feel like I'm a, I was just telling Jalen, I feel like I'm fiscally responsible for the most part. You know, I've made a few irresponsible decisions like we all have in our 20s and stuff throughout the years. But um, I feel like I was more responsible than the average person. Um, and I still, you know, fell into that trap. So I'm, I'm trying to give y'all some tips on how to avoid, you know, going through the same things I went through um, a few years ago. So you don't have to deal with those issues, you know, because when you're coming up in a, in a low-income community, having these kinds of conversations is taboo. Um, black families, most black families um, that don't come from money don't ever talk about money, unfortunately. And because of that, I wasn't raised knowing much about finances or how to manage my finances or, you know, how to best go about stashing my money or investing my money when the time came. Um, and, you know, like I said, I had to learn the hard way. I know better now, but I'm still kind of digging myself out of that hole. So I don't want y'all to have to do the same thing I did as far as digging yourself out of a hole. I want you to be able to take the knowledge before you even need the knowledge. So when you do need it, you can go ahead and reach the sky, you know. So um, anything you want to touch on as far as starting off, Jalen, as far as, you know, how it is where we from or growing up in a, in a low-income community, anything like that? I mean, you touched on a lot of the things that I guess anybody would need to know. Uh, one of the things I will piggyback off of, though, is like you talk about how taboo it is to talk about finances in the black community, especially coming from a low poverty, uh, low income uh, community. Uh, they do talk about money, but one of the main things they only talk about is actually just trying to make money. Uh, no one ever talks about actually, you know, what I mean, sustaining money, but actually just making as much as you possibly can. Um, you hear it a lot when you're coming up as adolescents in the Community, people tell you about their future and what do you want to do and what are the decisions you want to make going forward. They always tell you, hey, go for this job or go for that career because they make the most money, blah, 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 but never follow what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't want to get off topic here talking about that type of thing, so I'll stick to the money part of it. Um, but most of the what someone's always Hey, Jalen, you're, you're a little muffled right now, yo. Um, My bad. Yeah. But can you hear me clear now? Yeah, that's better. That's perfect. So stay like that. But most of what Stubbs already touched on, I mean, just a lot of things we're probably going to dive into deeper detail, you know, about the taboo things, about, you know, finances and money. And one of the main things I, I know I want to touch on this conversation, I think me and Stubbs will probably go back and forth on, is the standard of living. You know what I mean? That, that really is going to, I guess, be the basis for your standard of this $50,000 argument. What is your standard of living? If your yeah. standard of living is within the means, but if you have, I guess, a higher standard of living than the average person, then, you know, 50K may not be anything compared to how you want to live. So, um, but yeah, hopefully still going to start off the conversation good, the way we can flow, where we can tell you guys our backstories, the way we can connect with you guys from a personal standpoint. Yeah. And 
I know everything won't relate in terms of direct relations to your life, what you've been through, but hopefully it's something in there that you can take tips from that will benefit you going forward. Yep. So as far as, um, you know, topics for today, I'm pretty sure you guys see the topics at the top, but um, we're kind of going to go down the list and just, you know, touch on each topic and how to, how that relates to our situations, our community in particular, and the bigger picture as a whole. So, you know, when you look at credit cards, for example, like um, this was a big one for me because I, credit cards, I feel like, saved my life at some point, and they also are a big reason why I'm in the situation I'm in. Um, so just to touch on the pros and cons of credit cards, and my story in particular, I got my first credit card 2013. I was in college. Um, I think I was a, either a sophomore at the time or a junior at UNCG in Greensboro. I got my first Walmart card. Um, I was told during the time that Walmart had the easiest card to get, you know, if you were trying to build your credit. And so I went applied for the Walmart card, got approved, had like a, what, three, four hundred, I think I had a three hundred dollar credit limit starting off. And um, yeah, man, I was I was happy as hell about it. And um, I actually got the card and everything was cool. I just, you know, spent it, bought like little stuff here and there that I knew I needed, like, you know, or not even needed, stuff that I wanted, like just because at the time I was trying to build my credit. Um, so I went and bought like First thing I could think of, I bought like a PlayStation controller or a little PlayStation controller charger or something like that, you know, and just, just to be able to, you know, use the credit card and get a consistent habit of using the card established. And so things started off good. I was paying off my, um, my little balance because I really didn't have much, you know, of a balance. I only had a $300 limit. So um, things was cool with that. And then, you know, before I graduated college, I had, you know, graduated to... By that point, this was like two years later, I graduated December 2015, so by that point, I was able to build my credit up to a point where I had two, three credit cards. I think I had a Capital One card and a Credit One card um, by the time I graduated, and so I could use those they cards. Didn't, they didn't increase your balance in the Walmart card? Yeah, I did. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I got like a couple of increases. By the time 2016 rolled around, I was sitting on like a seven, $800 credit limit. Um, but before it was all selling, said and done, I, you know, I had over a $1,000 credit limit on the Walmart card, but I don't even have that card no more. They ended up closing it like a couple years ago because I didn't use the account. Like, I really don't even use store cards nowadays. Once you got general, you know, general credit cards, you don't need to use store cards really. So, you know, that was right. really the whole point I got that card. It was just so I could be able to graduate to a real credit card that I could use anywhere. And, um... But yeah, you, you want to touch on, you know, your first credit card or how that went for you or anything like that? Yeah, so like one of my first credit cards was actually a Walmart credit card too. Same thing, I think they were, they were I guess, backed by Synchrony Bank at the time. Yep. They still are actually. Yeah. Um, but Synchrony Bank was popular around the time because it was like, I guess they were the main sponsor of credit cards around then. So I had two credit cards from Synchrony. I had one from Walmart, I had a Old Navy credit card, and I believe I had a jewelry store one as well. Okay. Um, and then I transferred from there to a more generic, you know, uh, mainstream, I guess, whatever you want to call it, credit card, the MasterCard. Yeah. And then um, and then I actually got one through my bank as well. So um, the Walmart credit card was, I guess, my worst experience. And I'll, I'll touch base on why that was my worst experience. Because at the time, like, around the same time, Sloan had his, had his credit card through Walmart. I had mine. And we were, I was a college student, and using that card as my first credit card was, like, I guess, like the worst possible 
decision because we bought everything from Walmart. We bought uh, college supplies, we bought groceries, we bought this, we bought that, we bought that. Yeah. And another thing about that card was they allowed you to get cash back from the card too. So you didn't actually have to purchase anything from the store, but you could actually get cash through the ATM from the card, which was a big no-no yeah. for credit cards. <laughs> it's a big no-no if you do that for credit cards. So, yeah, the interest um, rate is usually like 20% or something like that Um, for those types of cars, at least. Now, if you got right. a better car like an Amex or a Discover or something, they probably do have a smaller fee for cash advances. Right. But if you get a cash advance off a credit card, they're charging you, you know, $5, $10 minimum, even if you're only taking out $20. And then on top of that, if, you know, if you're, say you're taking out $200 in cash, okay, well, that $5, $10 is less than the 20% that they would charge theoretically. So at that point, they're taking 20% on top of that. So if you're pulling out $200 in cash, they're gonna charge you $40 on top of it. You know, right. um, just hypothetically, if that's your interest rate for cash advances. So um, right. if and that- At the time, I didn't, know, I didn't have any idea about what that was. Yeah, so if you don't have the so, money, if you don't have the money to put that back, like within 30 days before interest kicks in on that card, then don't even do it, like, it's, it's just dub it. Cause you're gonna find yourself in a hole real fast doing stuff, and I've done that before too. Um, I I wasn't even gonna get to that part yet, but man, <laughs> I, I had I, the Walmart wasn't my only store card. I had a GameStop card and all that, and so you know it, it came to a point at a certain point where I was like I had other balances on other cards, and I needed money for whatever you know it's this college, right. so right. yeah, I, I needed to pull some money out, and the Walmart card was always there, and so I always made sure I paid it, you know, paid my balance down or. Um, or paid it off. That's how I kept the card so long. Cause if I was just, you know, maxed it out and didn't pay my bills, um, my credit would have got shot out. My accounts would have got closed. I wouldn't have had no credit. So I, that's how I was able to keep the card so long. But you can see how you can end up in a cycle of, you know, oh man, I, I need to pay this credit card bill. I, well, but I ain't got money like that. So let me pull some cash out from this credit card. Like you can easily get up in a loop like that um, if you're not careful. And it sounds like we both were in that loop at some point. So. You know, stuff like that is the start of your problems. That's only the start of your problems. You know, if you um, start making a lot of money and you start using your credit cards and you're paying off your balances, but you're only paying the minimum. And that's why it's, it's imperative that you pay more than just the minimum. You don't want to just pay the minimum on your credit card and just be, you know, forgetting about it, not thinking about it, especially if you've got a huge balance, you know. You want to pay off as much as you possibly can. And um, looking at things like 0% promos, um, so this is where, you know, the conversation starts getting a little bit higher level. You know, once I, let's say 2016, for example, um, perfect time for me to get into this particular section. Um, that's when my credit score really started taking off because I had, like I said, I was making my first bit of real money, you know, um, and I was getting a taste of that financial freedom, per se, but... I didn't have the mindset at the time to go about it the right way. So, like I said, I had the Walmart card, I had the GameStop card, Capital One, Credit One, and I feel like I had like another card too, but I can't think of it right now. I had like five, six credit cards my first year out of college. And then, oh, I got a state employee's card. I got a state employee's credit union card right after I graduated. And that was like the biggest balance I had at that time. I had a $2,000 credit limit. And so, what happened was, I went to Miami right after college. Like, this is spring break. Me too? Yep, spring break 2016. <laughs> spring break 2016, I wanted to ball out, wanted to be that that guy. And so, 
I didn't have, but you know, let's say I had a thousand dollars in the bank or something like that at the time, and in my savings, and you know, I had just started working at Verizon a couple months before, and so whatever for whatever reason, I didn't want to pay for that whole trip. That trip, let's say, that cost me like seven, eight hundred dollars. That that trip, in all, so I pretty much paid for most of that trip on, on my state employee's card that I had just got, you know, wh whether it was the, um, you know, the hotel that we stayed in or the Airbnb that we stayed in, that my part for that, whether it was me buying clothes for the trip, um, gas to get there. I know we split, we, we all split the gas, but um, we got scammed. I got scammed by Tevin because he was supposed to pay me, you know. But, but name drop. Yeah, yeah I, no, fuck that. Um, Tevin, <laughs> y'all, you get name drop. I got scammed a couple times in life, but this guy, he was actually one of my best friends for like a year and a half, like two years, like from Walgreens days when I was in college up until right after I graduated. And I trusted him. I let him get off the hook with it too much, too much. But pretty much, you know, he ended up going on a trip with us, and I don't think he ever gave me gas money for that trip. But I know Darius had paid his uh, paid his part for the Airbnb because Darius paid the Airbnb. Tevin never gave him his part, which was like 150 or something. And so it's just little things like that, you know, that you got to deal with. Um, not saying everybody got to deal with scammers, but I'm saying, like, in my particular case, that's what I had to deal with at the time. So I ended up putting, you know, I ended up putting $700, $800 on that car as soon as I got it. And um, I, I don't know whether I consolidated any debt at that time, but I do know I eventually um, went and started doing balance transfers because okay, I was like, if I'm going to go ahead and have all these cards, like I said, I had four or five credit cards at the time. I'm like, there's no point in paying four or five credit card bills a month and I, paying the minimum at that when I can just consolidate everything to one card and pay one bill and throw more money on that card so I can get it out the way quicker. And that's where the balance transfer is. Um, so that's when I got into balance transfers. Um, 2016 was when I did my first balance transfer, I think. That's when I did it. Um, pretty much took all that debt from those cards that I just named, consolidated it to that state employee's card. Um, but that was after I got my first credit line increase. I in, ended up getting a double my credit line to like $4,000 on that card, and then I did something like that. And um, interest rate was like, what, 8 9%? I think it's 10% actually, state employee. So that was also the lowest interest rate I had at the time because, you know, normally – you starting off with 20, 25% interest rate. 24.99. Yeah, 24.99, especially if you're in college and you ain't got it like that. Right. They, they, yeah. They, yeah, they starting you off like that out the gate. And that's an annual interest rate. That's an APR. And so annually you're getting 25% interest charged on whatever you you know your balance is. And they start accruing that um, after 30 days, that interest starts accruing. And so yep. and, and it's actually it's, it's calculated daily. Um, most people think that that 25% is, is calculated on a yearly basis, but they calculate that daily. They break it down and divide it by 365, and that's the real daily interest rate. And so that way they can nickel, nickel and dime you a little bit more. You actually end up paying a little bit more in interest like that. So that's why it's imperative. That's another reason it's imperative to get that debt out the way as soon as possible. And um, so what I did was I did a balance transfer. Like I said, I was able to pay down a lot of debt that year, but my credit score kept going up. You know, at, at its peak that year, I think I had like a 720, 730. <coughs> and so what happened was towards the end of that year, I ended up getting um, my first Amex card, got me a new cash card, like November of 2016. And then I got a Discover card the next month. 
December 2016, and then from there it was over, man. You know, if you know anything about American Express or Discover, you know, they're giving you thousands of dollars off the gate. You know, I had like $4,000, you know, $3,000, $4,000 credit limits, and, you know, that was the most money I ever had, disposable money I had that wasn't mine <laughs> at, at once. And so, you know, I actually added a family member, I won't name him, you know, but I, I had a, added a family member as an authorized user um, on my Amex card that year, and they ended up um, spending like, man, I think they spent like $1,000 in two, three months, like from Christmas time to like, you know, beginning of that next year. And um, yeah, that wasn't fun. I had to pay that back. And I learned my lesson on that one because it was a close family member and I was like, you know, I knew they needed some help at the time. So I was like, let me, you know, get you on my car because I, um, I know you needed the help and I was trying to build a credit. But if you ain't used to money, you know, if you ain't never had, you know, thousands of dollars at your disposal at, this, at one time, then, you know, you're not going to really be able to control yourself, you know. You're going to be up in the, you know, in the stores at the mall or the shopping center. You're like, oh, well, I can just put it on the credit card, pay it back later. You know, and um, they were helping me pay it back, but I, I wasn't going to make them pay that whole balance because this is a close, this is a close family member, and I'm just, I'm not, you know, I'm not about to um, tell y'all who it was, but like I said, I, yeah, just know I ate that and I learned my lesson, but this is stuff that I'm trying to get y'all to realize that, you know, no matter who it is, I don't care if it's your, your aunt, your cousin, your brother, your, even your mom or your dad, you know, don't put an authorized user on your credit card unless you know for a fact that you don't care or that you just gonna pay it back regardless because you know at the end of the day that's your responsibility um, and they're not gonna be liable for that that money that you gotta pay back that's gonna be you and so nowadays the only re the only way I would recommend or I would do an authorized user is if I add them without them even knowing and I never even send them the card you know I just do that you just do that to help them build up their um their credit um, my boy Trey just did that recently. He posted about it. He he added a cousin on, and um, as an authorized user, her credit score went up like a hundred points in like two three months. So yeah, I was about to piggyback off that, y'all. I was about to say like I, I know when I was younger too, my 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 stepmom added me to her account or uh, one of her store account cards, and then she basically just never gave me a card though. So you know, I mean, it's basically the same thing you described. Yeah. So yeah, um, and that's really the only way I would recommend it if. You know, you, like I said, you coming from a low-income community, low-income family. Most people don't have that that, that type of self-control, you know, to be able to, can, you know, responsibly do that. You know, if you know you're only going to be able to pay $25, $30, which is normally the minimum or around the minimum on that card per month, most people don't got the self-control to only spend $25, 30 a month. Like, you know, they might be spending that a day, you know. <laughs> so it's all about um, being smart when it comes to your money and, and not letting your emotions get in between, you know, your financial stability and um, your family, you know, I guess. Um, because at the end of the day, you can't be there for your family if you ain't got nothing, you know. And I'm pretty sure you understand that, you know, you're a father um, and, you know, kids ain't cheap, so. No, not at all. I mean, hell, life, life just ain't cheap in general. But, no, I mean, I can attest to helping family members out. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes, I, th I think this goes back to one of your bases about, like, just the whole generational wealth and breaking the curses about, you know, 
just coming from a family that's not used to having anything. Yeah. I mean, when you come from a family that's not used to having anything, a lot of people expect stuff out of you once you start making a certain amount of money or they know that you're moving on up in the chain. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times you got to really, like, tell yourself, you know what I mean, you can only live for you in certain cases. You know, you can help out as you can, but you got to help you for the most part first. Right. And, uh, and, and that that's what time I'm on nowadays. I'm helping myself first and foremost because I can't be there for my mom if I ain't, you know, got it or if I ain't, you know, making sure I got it. Um, right. And, you know, same thing goes for my dad or any other close family members. But um, what I will say is, you know, the cousins and the brothers and, you know, the extended family that's not in your immediate household or haven't been there all your life and, you know, was helping you out when you needed it needed it um i wouldn't really put them too high on the priority list because what i will say is once you start making real money and people notice that you know whether it's 50k or 100k or even more they definitely going to come out the woodworks you know you're going to have family coming out you know asking you for all types of money whether it's 20 dollars here or let me hold a hundred for this cuz my light's about to get cut off this and you know uh, my, my son birthday coming up that and all of this all of these types of excuses and, you know, they're going to be saying all of the stuff in the world, like, oh, I'm going to pay you back Friday or, you know, I'm going to get you back next month or, you know, you know, I got this coming through. I'm, I might get you soon. As, I'm going to get you right as soon as I get it because let me tell you firsthand from firsthand experience, bro, I've loaned family members thousands of dollars and I'm still waiting on, you know, thousands of dollars from, from a couple of my family members. Um, so... Yeah, like, just, you know, just keep that in mind. Like, and I loaned that money off of, I was stupid, bro. I don't even feel like, I don't even feel right saying this, but I loaned a lot of that money off of credit cards back during that year, that 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah, during that 2016 year, because I was thinking that I was going to get my money back in weeks, you know, or a week or, you know, like a very short time span. I put interest on it and everything, thinking that, you know, okay. I'm going to get my money back because this person got this going on. You know, they got this great paying job. They got this business, et cetera. I'm talking about I was loaning money to cousins that was making more money than me at the time. And so I'm thinking that because they making more money than me, that I'm going to be straight. You know, that right. there's no possible way that they not going to pay me back because this is, you know, my cousin I know in all my life. And they make more money than me. They just, you know, don't have credit like me because they wasn't, you know, they wasn't thinking about that stuff when they was my age, but they making the money. They making the actual tangible money. Well, let me tell you, you know, it don't matter. Like, because if they didn't, they didn't work for that money. They don't understand that it's not like, it's not their money at the end of the day. They just got the money and they spent it. They did whatever they want on it. But at the end of the day, they didn't, they didn't earn it. They didn't have to put in the blood, sweat and tears for that. They didn't have to build up their credit scores over years. And they didn't understand how hard it was to get to the point to be able to do that, you know, and not blink twice. So they think that you just got it like that, you know. And even if you tell them, even if you argue with them and tell them up and down, you know, I ain't got it like that. I need my bread, blah, 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 blah. They still going to tell you what you want to hear just so they can get what they want. And next thing you know, as soon as they off the phone or out of your sight, you know, they, they partying or smoking or drinking. And, you know, habits cost a lot of money. You know, I've seen people spend anywhere from 50 to $100 a day on weed or on alcohol, you know. So these vices don't go nowhere when you start making a lot of money. 
it just get worse. It just magnifies the situation, you know? And even when, you know, I was doing those things, I wasn't doing it to that extent. But I do know that it costs a lot of money, you know? It costs, you know, and we're not going to get started on it, you know? Like I said, the, the drug habits and stuff like that, you know? Everybody went through college. Everybody knows Everybody knows how much it costs to, to, to turn up. But some people turn up for a living. Some people never, you know, they never flip that switch. They doing it every day. You know, they're doing it every weekend, going out every weekend. Um, and, you know, I've seen people making 70K, 100K a year with nothing in the bank because they literally party every weekend or they drink and smoke their life away or they just have their up in their neck and so many bills that, you know, they just don't have the capacity to, to, to save, you know. And so there's it, many ways to go broke. There are many ways to fall off of that cliff financially. Um, anything you wanted to add to that? I know I kind of been talking for a while. Yeah, you kind of went on a tangent for a minute, man. My bad, bro. Kind of long, yeah, it's all good, man. You got to get off your chair. But I think you were primarily talking about, like, just loaning money to family. I think that was the primary basis of your your whole spiel there. Um, yeah. From my experience, man, I've always been taught, like, you know what I mean, <clears throat> to always give your family the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, from where I'm from, a small town, much like relate to you, man. We're real close with our family. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty much all we got you know, from all we were given um, when we were being raised. So I kind of, you know, I have a soft spot for my family in my heart. So whenever I can help them, I can. I mean, but I don't think I've ever been in a position where I've actually had to or been asked to loan money to family members that actually are established or make more money than I do. Or maybe because they already know that I'm just not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I only yeah. help who needs help or, or you know, people who are, who need help and are willing to try to help themselves, you know what I mean? I'm not going to help someone who's yeah. out there, you know what I mean, not absolutely doing nothing shit with their lives and, and, and asking for handouts, you know what I mean? I, I never believed in that. Right. Um, I've loaned family members money plenty of times that, you know, I've said, you know, hey, we'll pay you back, but in the end, you know, I've never seen a drop of dimes. I mean, it doesn't change anything in our relationship. It just means that in some cases, you know what I mean, they just were that bad off that they just weren't able to pay back. But you do get those family members that do ask for money with ill intentions, like, you know what I mean, of never paying you back. And I think that's what Sterling was touching on, like, you know what I mean, in some cases. Um, I don't even think his intentions was bad at the time. I just think that things didn't work out the way they were supposed to work out. And after they didn't, it was like he knew he couldn't pay me back. And he he knew that at the end of the day, that's not his money. Like, that was my money that – he messed up. It wasn't his money he messed up. So it was like, okay, I, I really don't, I can't pay you back. Like, it, or, and then, like, it's crazy because I, I just talked to this guy not too long ago and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna get you right because, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I want to do it all at once. I don't want to do it piece by piece. And I'm saying, like, bro, it's been like three, four years. Like, I don't care. Bro, at this point, I want stuff like that, man. You just gotta let go. <laughs> you know, nah, yeah. it's a, that's the thing. That's the, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. I don't even talk about it no more. I don't even. Right. I don't even bring it up. But you know, they still like they still will bring it up and make you try to feel comfortable, like put you at ease, like they right. like they working on something, you know. And I'm like, you know, either you're gonna pay me back or you're not. I don't even want to talk about it no more. Like if I call you, you know, if I call him, he only pick up the phone, you know. <laughs> like that's the type of stuff. But he'll come around me and and talk like like that and like I rather not even. I'd rather you just keep it real with me and just tell me, you know, you're not going to do that. I would explain the situation 
Pretty much. Let me. I mean, no, I think you explained enough already. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, I just wanted to explain it. I just wanted to explain it a little deeper so people can understand how easy it is to fall in that trap. But long story short, they had a business and their business was bringing in a lot of money. You know, like I said, more money than I was making at the time. And you know, things things kind of fell off a little bit. Um, and they they needed. They didn't, things didn't fall off, something just came up, and they needed, like, a couple grand to keep the business going. If they didn't get that couple grand, the business would have fell apart, like, and so I loaned them a the couple grand, and something else happened, and they wasn't, now I'm out of two grand, and on top of that, you know, the business isn't going no more, and so ended up loaning them a little bit more, I think, like, another grand on top of that, so they can keep, get back on track, and then... So things fell apart a few a few months later again, and they didn't have the money to you know to to pay me back um, fully at that point you know and the business right. fell apart and I'm like I'm not gonna keep kicking out money and you already owe me yeah. money at that point and so like I said that's that's how things happen though if you're not cognizant of you know other people's habits and other people's um, discipline you know because right. if they not saving money and they just blowing all of their bread on the weekends, partying or doing whatever else, and you know they not putting money away or they not investing their bread, then it's it's not a worth investing in them, you know, because they don't even subconsciously they don't even believe in themselves or um, care enough about their own situation to, you know, make sure they get on the right track and to make sure that right. they pay you back, you know. Yeah, so, so I guess some things you can take from this scenario still in describing is number one, don't loan money yeah. by bar. Don't borrow money to loan money. Right. <laughs> right. Let's not do that. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing. And two. Number, and number two, I guess, don't loan outside of your needs. You know what I mean? If someone's in need, obviously they need the money. But if their needs out exceed what you what you what you could give, then you can only give what you can. Like, don't try to be that hero person. You know, save the day for one of your family members. You know what I mean? Right. As long as you have good intent in your heart that hey, you know, I just don't have it right now, or I can give you this amount, you know, blah blah blah. I don't know how you're gonna figure out the rest, but this is what I can give you that is that I'm comfortable with, et cetera, et cetera. And another thing, I guess, is it, it, the whole loaning thing to family members is is all up to you. you know what I mean, I know Sterling touched based on not loaning outside of your immediate family, but you know, everybody's family is is different. You know, what I mean, you consider some family members closer than others. And I may consider some family members closer than others. You know what I mean? Your cousin may be closer to you than your actual sister or brother. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just all based on your uh, your perspective. Um, but all I can say is this. The main rules is do not loan outside of your means. Like, if it's outside of the range of what you can give, don't try to be hero and go loan money to then lend money to bank on somebody paying you back when they're in need already. So. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that never ends well. You don't want to mess up no relationships over no money. Like, Cause nowadays, yo, like people messing up relationships anyway. You know, you definitely won't don't want to put no money in between it. Then shit really gonna get ugly. So, um, uh, next topic. Damn, I just lost my track of thought. But um, dangers of living beyond your means. We already talked about this, so we not gonna really stay on this too long. But like I said, if you don't really stay cognizant of what your budget is and how much you can actually afford um to spend on a monthly basis, you can easily increase your spending to the point where you matching or exceeding your actual budget you know because I, I didn't see i was a financial planner for like six months last year um i don't know if, i know a lot of people don't know that but people close to me do 
and pretty much I seen people, black people, you know, um, coming from, you know, the same area we coming from, or even out here in Raleigh, you know, making 70K to 100K a year roughly with literally no savings, you know, less than $1,000 um, in savings or $250 in savings and no room to save because let's say they're bringing in five grand a month or 5,500 a month um, after taxes, their bills are like, you know, 4,000, no, matter of fact, I'm tripping. That was before taxes. Yeah, let's say before taxes, they're bringing in 5,500. Yeah, yeah. 5,500 a month before taxes. So after taxes, you know, I know tax brackets changing all the time, right? But just to give you, yeah, just to give you a good idea, if you bring it in 5,500 a month, which is a lot of money, I've never made that much money, but let's say hypothetically you bring it in 75% of that. So you're already in like the 22% tax bracket at the time. Um, state taxes are a little lower. So let's just say, yeah, you bring it in around 4,100. Forty-one twenty-five a month, right? Well, let's say hypothetically, this guy, because this is a real situation, is spending about four thousand dollars a month. And so, really, if you're spending four thousand dollars a month, and that four thousand a month is bare necessities—that's we talking rent, light bill, water bill, car payment, credit card bills, loans, um, student loans, you know, um, any dues or associations you in, you know, food, gas. Um, to get to work, like this is all basic necessities that you're spending four thousand dollars a month on. The other one twenty five is not gonna go nowhere. You're not, you're not even gonna see that really, cause yeah, you can spend it's all one. Go to like that, that BS stuff if you really don't calculate your budget. Right, that's gonna go to the college basketball game. That's gonna go to yeah. you know Netflix or Amazon Prime or stepping out. Deodorant. <laughs> stepping out for a drink on the weekend, like bro. You can spend up $125 so fast nowadays. $125 is nothing. But that's literally the room, the wiggle room that a lot of people are working with with these types of budgets because of living beyond their means and growing their bills as they increase their, you know, their um their their budget. You know, like like for example, me. I just want to touch on this for a second because. Oh, I think you need to clarify that what 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 you mean by technically living within your means. I think to some people, man, especially where we come from, to live within your means is basically means that you're not broke. So that's why people you see people sometimes that say, "Hey, we got that 125 dollars left over. You know, my bills paid, so I'm straight." You know, I mean, a lot of people have that mindset that they're living within their means because they can afford to pay all their bills. That's not. And co- not think about. Yeah. Not think about other things. So I think you need to clarify what is what you truly need to live within your means. Yeah. So that's not sustainable, um, right? So if you making you know four thousand, no matter how much money you make, right? You want right. to you no want to be able right. you want to be able to sp- spend only a certain amount of money on necessities. So when I was in, like I said, when I was in the financial planning, we talked about the sixty twenty twenty rule, um, which basically means that. Oh, which basically means that for every um, dollar you make, 60% of that should goes to should go to fixed expenses, like like all of the bills I just named, you know, light bill, water bill, rent, car payment, all, all the bills you can't get away from, you know, the expenses you can't get away from, putting food on the table, stuff like that. 20% should go to saving or investing, um, and another 20% should go towards discretionary spending, you know, which would be going out on the weekends and you know stuff like that. Um, so, if we talking a person that makes four thousand dollars a month, 
Um, or matter, matter of fact, just for the sake of this conversation, since we started out the fifty thousand, yeah, let's just do the fifty thousand. Um, let's just do the fifty thousand. Okay, so that's thirty-seven five hundred after taxes, right? Um, right. So what we do is. So, uh, hold on. Speak on that too, because a lot of people hear the fifty thousand dollars and automatically think that you know their checks are going to amount to fifty thousand dollars at the end of the year. Yeah, that's not how it works. I wish. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think you need to clarify that. So the more money you, the, the more the money way. you make, the the higher your tax bracket, um, and the more money they're going to take out. So let's do it like this. I'm going to look up federal tax rates 2020, and I will show you firsthand how much it costs to live. I mean, how much um, the cost of taxes is depending on how much money you make. And so, boom, here it is. So if you're a single individual, um, which most people are nowadays, you know, most people are not getting married nowadays, and uh, you looking at between 40000 and 80000 I'm sorry, I'm tripping. Between forty thousand and eighty-five thousand, um, you're in a twenty-two percent tax bracket, and um, right. so what that means is, before taxes, this is you're going to be in a twenty-two percent tax bracket. Um, so, if you're making, like I said, fifty thousand, they're taking out twenty-two percent of that. So we're going to do times 78 percent of that, and that's thirty-nine thousand dollars. But you still haven't accounted for state taxes yet. So let's do North Carolina tax rates, 2020. And you can easily see how your money, like that's 20% of my money gone already. And they still, like, they still, like, you haven't even seen it. Like you never touched that money. Yeah, no, nah, the government took that and they don't need you, it. You never they, see that money. They still took it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, it, it's But that's crazy. important to say though, like you never see that portion of your salary though. Most people feel like they they, they, they got to manage and budget, but you never see that portion of your money. Well, some people some people you know they don't pay taxes, but you know hey they don't yeah, they don't yeah, normally end up <laughs> yeah they don't end up well you know I cannot find this tax rate okay it's it's always oh, it varies by um yeah by yeah, counties okay but is this the income tax rate or is this like this That's is sales, sales and use tax, tax right? I'm tripping I think income tax rate I think it's like six. That's sales tax. Yeah. North Carolina income tax rates, 2020. Okay, North Carolina state tax calculator. So, okay, cool. This is perfect. So, if you're making, if you're single, making $50,000 in North Carolina, uh, okay, boom. So, they're taking out $2,443 a year in North Carolina state taxes. So, that is five percent, pretty much, and um, the federal income tax. I don't know how this is. I don't know how they're calculating this, because um, they they got the federal income tax at like eight point seven four. But I know everybody gets the fifty five hundred dollar exemption, um, usually. So I don't know if that fifty five hundred dollar. You know what I'm talking about, Jalen? When you file taxes, yeah, you, get, you, get, yeah. you get the exemption every year. So I don't know if that they're, they're accounting for that because technically, if if you got a fifty five hundred dollar exemption. And you're making, you know, like I said, fifty thousand. You're still gonna be at forty-five thousand for the year, which is gonna still have you in a twenty-two percent bracket. But um, like I said, just for the sake of argument, let's say you're making fifty thousand a year, right? Because this is most, this is more more likely. And they're taking out state and federal taxes, so let's just say they're taking out a quarter of your money. 
So let's just multiply that by 0.75. Boom. You, you go at 37500 after taxes. They already took a quarter of your money away, and, and you haven't even touched it yet. And so you divide that by 52, and you're making $721 a week or roughly $28.84 a month. Um, and so pretty much if you're making, no, let's just say $3,000 a month, you can easily, this money could easily be gone, right? So me, somebody like me, I feel like this is one of my biggest problems, the fact that my first year after college, when I first started making that real money, I graduated to living in my own apartment. Had roommates the whole time up until then, but I wanted my own apartment, got my own apartment, was paying nine fifty a month in rent, or 900 but it was roughly 950 after all the fees and stuff. And ever since then, I've been living on my own. I can't live with nobody else no more. And that's just a personal preference that I've gotten so used to. I've gotten used to this, you know, this comfort of being by myself and not having to worry about roommates and deal with those issues that I can't, I can't go back to having roommates and stuff. And that's what I wanted to touch on tonight because once you get used to living at a certain quality of life, you don't want to go back to how you used to live. And, and that's why you have the whole argument that 50 grand is nothing. I mean, because <laughs> you get used to you get used to the lifestyle, and like I said, I is for me that's just a personal preference. I know having a roommate would save me some money, but I know having a roommate would also sacrifice a lot of my peace of mind. So everybody's situation is different. But what I will say is, as soon as you start making real money, don't try to jump out out there and get your own apartment, especially if you've already been living with people your whole life and you don't know how it is to live by yourself. Um, keep on doing that for a while. Keep on stacking your bread. Stay with grandma for a while. Stay with your mom for a while. Stay with, you know, your roommate, your best friend, or your cousin or whoever else you was living with or whoever else you know, you know, you can afford to live with and you can be compatible with as roommates. Um, and that's a big key right there is just being able to save money on the rent, you know, and stuff like that because that's the majority of most people's bills um, is that rent. But, no. start making real money, you've been living with your family for a long time, and, it, and it's one of your goals to move out, then I say you do it. Like, no matter what the financial cost will be. Because, like like you said, that's your peace of mind. You can't you can't put a price on that. I mean, if that's your standard of living by living on your own, like, you can't really put a price on that. But Granted, you will save a lot of money by just staying at home, living with your family members, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is one of the taboos of, the, of our community coming from where we're from, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's looked down upon living with your family members for an extended period of time past 18 years old. And that's one of the things, I think one of the main things I think with this generational wealth that needs to be expunged. Like, you know, I mean, it's okay for college graduates to come back home and live with their parents for a few to, you know, do exactly what Kevin said. And then once they do start making real money, they can then move on and do that, do things their own way. Um, but I, I think if you are, if you have been living with your parents, family members, et cetera, et cetera, for an extended period of time, and, you know, you start making real money, want to move on do just that just know that your new decisions of you moving by yourself are going to cause you to have to sacrifice some other things and i think that's where sterling's going to come in and interject about how your, your lifestyle of living is going to drastically change based on you just moving by yourself and just having to pay your own rent and having to pay utilities etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah yeah all of that like it's not just rent it's the light bill it's the water bill it's um the you know 
Wi-Fi bill, um, cable if you you know can't live without TV. It's all of those bills you got to pay for. And so if we're talking just that stuff, that's another four or five hundred dollars on average on top of the rent that you got to pay a month um, if you're living in a city like Raleigh. And so really, you know, that nine hundred or a thousand dollars, because that was three years ago I was paying nine fifty. Nowadays you're paying a thousand dollars, eleven hundred dollars for even a one bedroom, you know, um, out here. So especially if it's a decent part of town. So really, that a thousand dollars or eleven hundred dollars is really more like fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars. And so that's one thing. And what I was saying was, if you not used to living by yourself, you might as well keep on doing that for a couple of years, stack your bread up, you know, cut your expenses in half on that end, so you can have a proper savings base built up over that next two, three years. So when you do move out on your own, you got four or five thousand or even more, ten let's say ten thousand dollars in the bank saved up. Um, so that you have a rainy day fund if in case something goes wrong, you got that cushion, you know, and you won't have to depend on credit cards and falling into that perpetual cycle of debt if, um, you know, you got to get new tires or, you know, um, some, some unexpected expenses come up or a medical emergency or anything, you know? I think one of the things you, 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 you hear me, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I think one of the things, like, like, at this point you're making, you're making a good point. I think one of the things you're overlooking is that it's easy to get caught up in the trap of staying with parents as well. Like you can easily get like too comfortable with not paying those expenses too, which will then hurt you in the long run as well. You get what I'm saying? Like you yeah. not you being used to not paying those expenses, and then I don't know some odd circumstance happening where you have to move out still no. You you're then faced with I guess adversity like right then and there. Like you're not used to paying rent. You're not used to paying utility. You're not, you're not planning for budgeting. You're not, your lifestyle hasn't changed for you to adapt to this lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. So it can have a positive effect, but it also can have a negative negative effect on your, your I guess, financial mentality as well. But, but that's why it's imperative that you have that mindset. Like, even when you're living with your parents, nobody said that you couldn't be learning on how to budget that whole time or building your credit up during that time or stashing money away. That's the whole goal of you doing that. So you can put away 500 a month or a thousand a month that you couldn't put away if you were paying all of those bills yourself, you know? Um, but I think that's a lot of, that's the, that's the problem with a lot of people in our, in our particular generation. A lot of people are still living with their parents, people our age or even older. And whether they making as much money as we make or, or less or more, they don't have the discipline to say, okay, if I'm saving all of this money by staying with my peoples, I got an extra seven fifty or a thousand dollars a month coming in or whatever. But why are you not saving that money? What are you doing with that extra money to the point where you can't put at least five hundred dollars aside or three hundred dollars aside to you know make sure that you got extra bread stashed away for when you do move out? Like what what is so important? What are you doing? People buying shoes, people buying clothes. People trying to go out on the weekends and flex and for the gram, like people smoking and drinking, like all of these habits, all these vices are what keep people stagnant and complacent and, you know, not caring about, you know, their future because they're living for the moment. And like I said, I had to learn all of that the hard way, but I learned it differently because I didn't really get in this position by doing all of that. My position, I mean, my situation is just different you know as you probably can tell at this point 
But it's, there's many ways to go broke, as many ways to fall off that cliff, as many ways to, you know, fall off your high horse. So, you know, I just want people to know that there's also many ways to get ahead. Like, you know, whether it's building up your credit, whether it's saving up that bread, whether it's investing a little bit of money on the side for the long run, you know, maxing out your 401k. Um, people don't, I don't know if people understand about 401ks, you know. When I was at Verizon, I had a 401k where you can match. Um, I was putting in 6% because Verizon matched up to 6%. So, you know, I'm literally putting hundreds of dollars or a few hundred dollars away every month just in my 401k, and they matching that um, on top of that, dollar for dollar, because I'm putting in 6%, and they putting in up to 6%. But since, you know, whatever you put up, um, they're going to match that up to 6%. And so if I were to put in 7%, they would have still be putting up 6% because that's the max they match up to. And so pretty much anytime your employee matches dollar for dollar your 401k, you want to make sure you're maxing that out. Um, not only is that doubling the money, your retirement money, um, but you also lower your taxable income. That also knocked me down to a lower tax bracket. Um, I feel like that first year while I was at Verizon, um, but after you start making a certain amount of money, you know, it's kind of hard to knock you down to another tax bracket without finding more loopholes and stuff, which is how the rich people get richer, you know, because they got all the loopholes and stuff. You know, we just got yeah. we just got the four hundred one k loophole and stuff like that, the IRAs and stuff. But um, you know, just to go back to that three thousand though, so just to see how easy that is to spend, right? If you by yourself, let's say we already established out here, Raleigh Durham area, if you live by yourself, fifteen hundred dollars is going towards the the bills and all of that, the household utilities and stuff. Let's say you got a car note, right? Um. Let's say you know you ain't got nothing too crazy. Let's say you call no three fifty, okay. So eleven fifty a month. That's that's just what you got left over after taxes and all that. This is fifty thousand a year. Um, after you account for taxes, um, federal and state, and we already took out the the rent here. Um, no, we took out the rent right here, and we took out the car payment right here. Um, no, this is rent and utilities. That's a car payment. Let's say car insurance. Let's say you know you still making payments on it, so you got full coverage. That's another 150. Right, let me stop you right there, yo. Mm-hmm. One thing I think a point needs to be made about that car note and then car insurance. Mm-hmm. Whenever you buy a car, it's always best practice to automatically include insurance with your car payment. Do not separate the two. Never separate the two. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I already know for a fact that's that's money out the gate, no, right? Like, like a lot of people buy a car and they'll only look at the the amount they have to pay on the loan for the car and not the insurance as well. Yeah, 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 you're right, because, I mean, bro, it's crazy, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up, because, um, when I first got my car, they tried to find, they tried, they tried to finance me with Santander, bro, I was gonna be paying five sixty five a month just for the car note, but they gave me, like, an 18% interest rate, and they knocked it off, they knocked off a percent, thought they was doing, you know, doing me a solid, but I was, right. I was like, nah, like, I, I already knew what I was gonna do, I had just joined the credit union, like, that last the week before, because I was living with my aunt at the time, and she was with the credit union. So what I did was I went and refinanced my car with the credit union like that next week after I got it. And my first payment wasn't due until two months later. You know, when you first get a car, your first payment is due a couple months later. So by the time my first payment rolled around that April, you know, I was able to knock my interest rate down from that 18% down to like 3.75% was what it was for new cars at the time with the credit union. 
And so I literally knocked $200 off my monthly payment just by doing that. And so it took me from $565 a month down to $363 a month for my car payment. And that was on a 2016 um, car at the time. So, you know, that was a brand new car. And um, I, my, my, my insurance was still around one fifty. What? Uh, I, I got to a couple wrecks since then and stuff. So, but at the time, it was it was roughly it was roughly one one fifty. It was, yeah, it was like one thirty. Yeah, it was like one thirty, one thirty five or something like that. And so, pretty much, yeah, you got a point, Jalen. Like the what I was gonna be paying at first would would have been what I pay with the insurance now, you know, pretty much. But even then, after that, I'm still paying five hundred dollars a month for the car and the insurance. Right. You know. Now, a lot of people don't factor it in, they buy a car. They just say, oh, my car note ain't but such and such. But if you got a car note, you got to have full coverage. If you got full coverage, it's going to cost a premium amount of insurance. At least in, that. Yeah, at least in North Carolina, you know, because this video is going to be all around the country and the world. So right, right, right. In yeah. North Carolina, you're paying, you know, full coverage. you got to pay for full coverage um, insurance when you have a car you're still making payments on. Um, so You have a lien. So, yeah. Um, and the, All right, we had $1,000 a month. And that's just the, the rent and the utilities and the car and the um, insurance. So, you know, let's say you have one credit card, right? That's $100 a month um, that, you, that you're throwing on there on average. You're trying to get that balance down. You're not going to pay the minimum, right? And so that's $900 a month. And um, let's say you, you're paying back your student loans now. You know, you're making 50000 a year. Well, student loans going to come knocking too. So they want 250 a month from you, they said. And that's pretty average uh, for somebody making that much money. That's, that's pretty much You can defer it for a year after college, but you can't defer it too long. They're going to come after you. So let's say six fifty is what you got left. Um, and so boom. Now that $3,000 a month that you had at first off of that, you know, 50000 a year, you're down to six fifty. And um, what can you really do with that? Well, let's say you got to eat, right? <laughs> a man got to eat. Most people, I learned when I was financial uh, financial planner, most people spend around $300 a month on average on food for the single people. Um, so that's 350 you got left right there. So you got to get back and forth from work, gas, you know, even if you wasn't driving, if you was taking public transportation and stuff or Ubering. Um, but Uber costs definitely costs. It might spend, you're going to spend more than 100 but spend more than gas. Man. Yeah, yeah, but... Um, Public transportation will be cheaper than this, obviously, but most people are not taking the bus around here. You know that. You already added the car note insurance in, so they're gonna have to drive it. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're right. So two fifty. That's what we got left, right? That's after the student loans and the credit card, the one credit card. That's after you account for food. That's after you account for gas. In addition to everything else we already talked about. So you got two fifty a month left over, and um, it's starting to look pretty slim for your boy. So, what what vices do you got? You know, you got to cope with the fact that you're making fifty thousand dollars a year and you only got two hundred fifty dollars a month left over. So most likely, you're smoking some weed or drinking some alcohol to, <laughs> to deal with that. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying that that easily could take up that other two fifty right there. Like, and and boom, there you go. You know, you just say they got some hobbies. Yeah, you got hobbies. All right, let's just say. You got some hobbies, and um, I don't know whether it's smoking or drinking, or whether it's uh, you know going to basketball games, going to the club on the weekends, partying, any of that stuff. Um, going to the mall, buying some clothes. 
let's just say you spend one hundred fifty dollars on hobbies a month. Oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no, I, I had two fifty at first. Okay, so two fifty, whatever, minus one fifty, boom, we had a hundred. A hundred dollars a month. That's how much you got left. Enjoy your money. Break it down. Divide it by four. That's twenty five dollars a week. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> How you going? I think I think I think you just laid out like maybe one of like the worst case scenarios for a person making fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, but I that, mean, that was my situation one time though. Like that. Was, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, I get you know, it, like, and I got more, I had more credit cards than that. You know, but what I'm saying is that's like that's not bro. That's normal. Like most people making fifty thousand dollars live paycheck to paycheck. Like most, and, and really the the outlier that I'm seeing as far as what separates the, ha- the the people that can not fall in that hole from the people that do is either they have some type of inheritance, um, they were passed down some land or some, some type of pension or some type of you know inheritance, like I said, or if they wasn't passed down nothing, they was passed down some knowledge. They had parents that instilled financial um, values and, and, and certain you know certain goals in them, certain you know leeway not leeways but certain um tips that they gave them certain you know tricks and certain pieces of knowledge and certain nuggets of information throughout the years that allowed them to get to the point where they can take that fifty thousand and instead of adding all these extra bills and stuff they putting their money aside and doing the right stuff with it so like i said if you got that three thousand a month after taxes that you got on that fifty thousand dollars a year and you spend 60% of that on those fixed wow, expenses, so like I was saying at first. That means you're spending no more than $1,800 on everything that I just named. On the rent, on the car payments, car insurance, utilities, credit cards, loans, everything else. You're spending $1,800 a month on that. And that means you should be saving or investing another $600 of that. $600 should be going to either your savings or let's say 300 if you want to split it up. 300 go to your savings every month. Another 300 go to investing. Let's say you want to put the other 300 in a 401k um, that, that your job offers or through an IRA if your job doesn't offer that. Um, or, or maybe you want to take that other 300 and put it you know, on, on the stock market um, in a mutual fund um, or even in a cryptocurrency. You know, I'm big on crypto. I, couldn't, I legally couldn't recommend this a few months ago, but hey, nowadays, I'm telling you, $300 will get you a long way with some Bitcoin if if you got a few years to wait, you know, <laughs> you got to be patient, though. You can't just invest money and expect a return immediately. You got to be like, that's that's why I say any money that you invest with is is already gone. Like you, there got to be money that you already, um, that you feel like you don't need. Because if you invest in money that you need, you're going to find yourself pulling money out of your investments ne- in next month or in a few weeks. And you're most likely going to be down on those investments when you, you know, go to pull your money out because you need it. And it's not when, you know, the, the market is peaking. It's when you need the money. And so that's why I say don't invest no money you can't afford to lose. Um, so and that, that, that's a big one. That's key because a lot of people are not doing that. They, they just they see a get-rich-quick scheme, whether it's, you know, options trading or stock market or crypto especially, they feel like, you know, they put some money in, they, they're going to get a return next month or next week. And it just don't work like that in most cases. You feel me? I feel you, man. But I, I, it's to the point where I, I understand, like, the whole 
purpose of like making investments and stuff like this. It's always good to make investments. You know, make, let your money make money for you. you know I mean, that's one of the best things you can do with life, especially if you have a surplus of income. But I think one of the things that I guess if we're going back to the basis of this conversation is that you know someone who just now started making fifty thousand dollars, you know, maybe coming from a place where we're from, their knowledge of investments is, is, is slim to none. Like you know, what I mean, kind of kind of what you're piggybacking off of from your experience. Um, I think for the most part, you learned all you did about about investing when you got to college. I mean, when you started learning about money, you know, not from what you were taught. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm self-taught. I'm self-taught and all of that. But that's what you got to be nowadays, bro. YouTube University is free. There's no reason why you should be lacking knowledge on this stuff out here when we got YouTube. We got Google. Like, I know your parents didn't teach you. My parents didn't teach me either. I understand. But at some point, you got to put down the controller or put down the, the you know the TV remote or you know whatever it is put down the blunt and go look at something that's going to get you to that next level in life. You know, investing in and, and I, I agree with you. A lot, a lot of people need to do that. You know, you know what I mean? They need to change or break the, the cycle of being comfortable in order to grow up further. But I think a lot of, a lot of times you're going to find is that a lot of people that the same people you're talking about need to make investments that are living paycheck to paycheck, I don't think too most of those people consider that like not living within their means goes back to one of the things I said before about you, I told you to establish what you mean by living within your means. A lot of people feel like as long as their bills are paid, they're living within their means. Like, you know what I mean? As long as they don't have to borrow money, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen so many cases of this, especially with some people just say, hey, my bill's paid, I'm good, on to the next day. So what if you, you know keep I mean? that same mindset for the next 20, 30 years and you hit age 65, right, before you know it, you're 65 and you're about to retire? And you ain't got no money in your account, in your retirement account, because you never invested in, you know, you never, you never invested in none of the four hundred one ks your jobs offered. You never opened up a retirement account. You never invested on the side in, in anything that we just talked about, whether it's stock market or crypto or whatever else. And, and now it's time for you to retire. What you gonna do? Get social security, and they're gonna give you a thousand dollars a month or fifteen. Let's say they're giving you. T- Fifteen hundred at the month, a month at, at the time, because it's thirty years from now. You know, inflation is real. Right. So let's say by that point they're giving people fifteen hundred or two thousand a month, because now they're giving people a thousand dollars a month, right? So roughly, so it's somewhere, somewhere around that range. Yeah. So even then, two thousand dollars a month in twenty forty five is not gonna get you very far, man. I'm sorry to tell you that. But it all goes back to what your standard of living is. Like you have some people that's that that can live. Especially if you get to the age of retirement, where they, if say they own, already own their home, they, that's what they've been paying for for the past thirty years. Say. They already own their home, they already own their car. You know what I mean? They already own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't need this, that, and third. They don't need the latest TV. They don't need the latest car. They don't need the latest. You know, they don't need any TV for the most part. You know, you got some people out there that are just comfortable with their, with how they're living and, and the way they're living. So, uh, so, so the fact that you know, what I mean, fifty thousand dollars is more than enough. Sustain that type of living. So check this. Think, no, I'm saying, what if Social Security goes insolvent? What if it's like I said, it's getting more and more insolvent each year, and it's more people taking from the system than it is paying into the system at this point. You know, I got family members that get disability checks that never worked a day in their life or never paid taxes a day in their life. You know, right? And so it's gonna get to a point where it's not enough money to sustain that system, and either they're gonna cut it out completely. 
or they just gonna start cutting checks, like literally cutting the amounts, you know, the checks that they, that, you know, that they sending out. And so, I don't want to have to depend on that. I don't want to have none of my people depending on that. You know, 40 years from now, um, a government that already don't care about them and that may or may not have a thousand or two thousand dollars to give them in 40 years when you need five thousand dollars to live, you know? <laughs> right. No, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it is eventually going to come to a point where it's going to either run out, like you said, or and they're going to have to make a decision whether to cut checks or to completely cut it at all. I, trust me, I, I got family members too that are bought with money too, man. But I guess what my argument is that, like, you know, in order for people to to successfully invest and stuff like that, you first have to save first. I think that's the main part of it. You, like, you first have to save. Because like Sterling's saying, you can't invest money that you need immediately. Yeah. Like your first your first step of investing is saving. I think one of the things, like, my pops was always telling me as a kid, you know, save, save, save. I never, I think one of the knocks I have against him is why he tells me that is that he just didn't tell me why to save. He always just said, you may need money for the future. Or you may need this. It's always good to just have. But I think one of the first steps you have to take in order to invest is to save first, you know, and then like Sterling said, you have to be self-taught. You know, there's a lot of knowledge out there for you, but a lot of people don't want to willingly teach you unless they're getting paid themselves for doing it, you right? Know I mean? Or unless it's a part of their job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's why we luckily YouTube is free because I've le- <laughs> I've learned more from YouTube University in the last three four years than I ever learned in the whole twenty three. 22 years before that, you know, um, you know, whether it was educational stuff, spiritual stuff, investment, you know, information, anything, you know, money information, um, side hustles and, you know, ways to start businesses, so much knowledge right. out here. Right. And, um, you know, that, like you said, that's, yeah, you, you definitely right. I, I should have touched on this a bit earlier when I was talking about the saving and investing, you know, that $600 that I got on the screen right now. I recommend you put the whole six hundred. If you make it three thousand a month and you're trying to, you know, save or invest that twenty percent, that six hundred, save it all at first. Build up that savings base. Once you get three to six months of fixed expenses established in your savings, so if your fixed expenses are at eighteen hundred a month, that's sixty percent, then you know that three months of that is fifty four hundred dollars. Save up six hundred dollars a month until you get there. And that would take nine months. And let's say if you needed, you know, six months of fixed expenses saved up, which is what I really would recommend. This is when you're really going crazy. If you save up six months of fixed expenses, can't nobody tell you nothing. You can lose your job, you can get fired, lay it off, anything tomorrow. You know you got six months of your bills in the bank. So you, you got something to hold you until you, you get back in, a, in, in the workforce, you know. And if you can get unemployment or something on top of that in the meantime, that's even better. So, you know, you divide this by six. Let's say 18 months. That'll take a year and a half if you're saving up $600 a month and you're trying to get to that $10,800, that $11,000 in your savings. So, like I said, I was a financial advisor. This is what we actually used to recommend to our clients three to six months of fixed expenses, and um, with three months being the minimum of establishing that savings base. And once you get to that point um, where you're comfortable and you have three to six months of fixed expenses in, in your savings, you know, then from there, like I said, you can go to an investment. You can start putting the whole 600 in your investments. Or let's say you want to do half and half. 
300 into your savings and another 300 into investments. It, from there, you can really do whatever you want, you know, because after that six month window, it's really inefficient to keep putting all your money in your savings. You want to do something. Right. You want to do something more efficient with your money because the bank is only giving you a one percent or less than that <laughs> on your savings a year, you know. Um, unless you got a money market account, and I actually recommend people put their savings into money market accounts. That gives you a little bit more um, interest on your money. I don't. Um, a lot of people are not hip to that, but um, credit unions offer them. Regular banks offer them as well. Um, everybody's interest rate is just a little bit different. So you want to check with your bank and see if they offer money market accounts and, um, and see what the, the rules are for those. Because sometimes you can only withdraw money from those accounts a certain amount of times per month. So other than that, it's just like a regular savings account. But um, yeah, man, and, and the last 20% of your $3,000 a month should be going towards discretionary spending. Um, like I said, 1800 of that going towards fixed expenses, another 20% going towards saving or investing, another 20% going towards discretionary spending. And this would be, you know, going out on the weekends. This will be um, you know, having parties or going out with your friends, having drinks and smoking, whatever it is you do that you know you don't need to do, but you want to do. That's just discretionary spending. And so you want to make sure that you're not going over that 20%. In this case, that would be six hundred dollars if you're making fifty thousand a year um, before taxes. You don't want to go over that six hundred dollars a month. So you know, if you know that's the case, you know you shouldn't be spending no more than one fifty a week on BS that you don't need. You know, and um, I think that's the biggest problem right there for for a lot of people is is not the debt with people in our community more, more so than it is the discretionary spending. Um, people start making money and they're like, you know, I want to buy shoes. I want to Buy clothes. I want to buy the Ferragamo belt. You know, I want to, you know, I want to do all. This, I want to buy all this stuff, bro. I'm, we lit, like, and that's really the mindset of our generation. When you see all these rappers and all this stuff on TV and all these people flexing, but the rap, they're not telling you these rappers got rented jewelry. These rappers is financing their cars. These rappers got loans from the record labels that they got to pay back, and if they album don't recoup that money, they owe the label, like. It's all a facade, yo. Don't nobody really got as much money as they make it seem in the in the age right. of social media. You know, and I, I, don't, I don't even think it's that big. I, I know, I know, you took it there with the whole like you know the entertainment industry and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really like a lot simpler than what people make. I think a lot of people are just you know used to have not having, and, you know, used to wanting instead of having. So when once they get to the point where they make money, they can actually have. Much like you've been talking about here, yeah. But I think it's one of those things that, like, like you said, goes back into like the knowledge of how you were raised and how you were taught to manage money, et cetera, et cetera. But it also goes back into like the person you are. Like, if you could, if you have a lot of self control, and if you have a lot of discipline, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, like I said before, fifty thousand dollars would be more than enough for you to live off of and sustain living, and to do the 60-20-20 like uh, ratio or the twenty twenty rule, like you uh, speaking of. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I just feel like, yeah, like you said, it's it, it's it's hard, man. It, it's definitely hard to keep that 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 constraint and keep that discipline. Yeah. And if you ain't never had everybody it, wants it, bro. Everybody wants something, man. And I've been through that before, you know. But you gotta go through it. If either you gonna be disciplined from the jump and you know maintain that self control and that discipline out of gate, and you're gonna be 
you know, soaring through the sky with flying colors and you always have money saved up or right. you're going to have to learn the hard way and you're going to have to hit rock bottom and, and, and go through those times where, you know, you realize after you done bought all of this stuff, you got a full house full of gadgets and clothes or whatever and you like, yo, this stuff really don't mean nothing. I'm really not happy or any, any happier than I was when I didn't have this stuff, you know. Um, you that's, that's what it's going to take for you to realize that none of that stuff really matters at the end of the day. And, and at that point, that's when the shift happens in, in your mind. And, you know, that, that, that light bulb goes off and everything just clicks, you know. But I don't want people to have to go through that like I did or, you know, like you might have or anybody else. Um, so and that's why we're having this conversation right now. You know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to change the narrative and we're trying to um, change the mindset of our people so we can start growing sooner than later, you know, because the sooner you can start saving up your money, investing your money, um, investing in yourself, you know, the, the better off you're going to be in the long run, the better off your family going to be in the long run. And it, it doesn't all have to be done overnight or in one generation. Like, you know I mean, the, the baby steps you can take that you would instill in your younger family members or your younger cousins or your, even your children, you know, will, will you know I mean, make ways to the next generation. You know what I mean? The little things you can change with your generation be the standard for the next one and then so on. That's how you build generational wealth. It's not done overnight. By no means is it done overnight. Oh no, nah, this this process takes years, bro. Like man, you don't understand. <laughs> you yeah, do not understand. Not. <laughs> I ain't talking to you, I'm talking to the people right now. They do not oh. understand, man. Like because <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not an overnight thing. You will go crazy trying to make it happen overnight, you know? Oh, yeah, you you will definitely go crazy thinking about how you're gonna do it in your life, your life alone. So I, I'll say that. You know what I mean, just you know, I mean, if you make one one step forward, that's a good step. Just you know, what I mean, count your blessings and, and try not to make any steps backwards. Right, right. So you know, I'm trying to. I think we should. It's a good point to start wrapping up this conversation. We've been on for almost an hour and a half at this point. So just so I can, um, in conclusion, for me at least, I'm gonna let you go afterwards. But for for me at least. Um, I feel like, you know, a good start with all of this, like I said, is that 60-20-20 rule. Whatever money you make, um, try to keep 60% of that towards fixed expenses, um, another 20% towards saving or investing or saving definitely until you get the three to six months of your fixed expenses saved up in the bank. And then, you know, save and invest from there. And another 20% um, percent towards fixed, not fixed expenses, towards discretionary spending which would be, um, like I said before, anything you want but don't need, like going out, you know, any vices you have, any hobbies you have, anything like that. And, um, you know, consolidating bills would probably be the next thing I would say, whether it's um, consolidating your credit cards by doing, by doing a balance transfer to like a 0% APR card. Um, you know, a lot of cards like offer 0% um, periods for like the first year, year and a half, where there's no interest. Um, and, you know, if you do a balance transfer on your other card to that card, not only are you consolidating all of that into one bill instead of three, four, five bills or whatever, however many credit cards you got, you know, you also lowering your interest rate for a year or a year and a half to zero percent. And so you can pay that debt down without, you know, the balance going up or the interest going up in the meantime. And um, from there, you know, you can look at investing and stuff like that. Um, cryptocurrencies huge, huge, huge wave of the future coming soon. Ten years from now, I feel like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are going to be mainstream for good. We're going to be able to go to Walmart and spend crypto. 
straight off iPhone, you know, just like you use Apple Pay right now, um, except it's going to be crypto. You're going to have video games coming out that allow you to earn crypto while you're playing video games. You're going to have lending services, lending, lending different types of crypto. All of this is coming in the next decade. Um, so I say do your research, um, figure out what types of crypto, you know, are the wave of the future. Obviously, it's like five different, 5,000 different coins out already. All of them ain't going to make it. Most of them not going to make it. So you want to stick with the major ones like Bitcoin, Ethereum, stuff like that. If you're really into crypto and you're looking into um, getting into that space. and But it's a wild, wild west right now. I wouldn't recommend getting into that unless you have a lot of disposable income at the moment. Um and I can help you as far as guiding you. If you want to, you know, get into crypto, reach out to me um, on any of these mediums down here, and I'll let you know what I think and you know what I recommend as far as that. But um, yeah, man, it, it's a lot I know of information to take in, and that's why um, we was on here so long talking. So <laughs> I hope y'all really appreciated this tonight. Anything you want to add to that, Jalen? No, I think. financial part of it and being responsible and so forth. I got a, just a point to make, just, um, I guess, the emotional slash, I guess, like, philosophical point of the whole money thing and back to the whole basis of the argument about $50,000. Is it really decent money or not like that? You know what I mean? It, it's all of what we're talking about is based on your perspective. Like, you know what I mean? If you feel like you have the means to save, to invest, to do all these things, then by all means, do your research, do your homework, and do those things. If you're comfortable with your life as it is now, there's no pressure to you to change anything that you're doing. If you're okay living month to month or paycheck to paycheck, as Phil says, then that's your life. We can't change it. We can't tell you what to do, what's wrong, right? But if you're one of those people that want to, I guess, move forward in life and, I guess, really embody what it means to be financially free or somewhat financially free, then some of the steps that Sterling outlined here about the 60-20-20 rule, about managing your credit cards, about the dangers of living beyond your means, about you know lending money to your family members, about lending beyond your means, about investing, et cetera, et cetera. All those things you have to take into consideration if you plan to move forward. Um, but it all boils down to you and your perspective about how your standard of living is and what you consider needs and wants at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, um, great point, bro. I mean, I feel like everybody, like you said, everybody's situation is different. So, you know, everybody probably took something different from this conversation. You know, everybody doesn't have to feel the same way or, you know, um, have the same goals after this type of conversation. But it, right. it, it's, it's important that everybody feel like they learned something, you know. Right. I'm not expecting everybody to watch this and go invest in Bitcoin. That'd be the wrong fucking thing to do. <laughs> yeah, cause, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot a lot of hurt motherfuckers out here once once Bitcoin drop again. So like I said, yeah. like I said before, take every point I made in this conversation and and pay attention and listen. But that don't mean that you gotta implement everything or feel like everything is for your situation. Every you know every the shoe don't fit everybody. Everybody's situation is right. different, you know. But um, but yeah, man, I, I feel like um, we had a great talk tonight, man. I, this is like one of the best conversations I've ever had about this this type of stuff. So, you know, you know, you're welcome on any time, bro. Um, no doubt. No if, doubt. if you want to do this again, I feel like next time, you know, we can go into something a bit different since we already touched on this particular topic. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely looking to uh, looking forward to um, the feedback, hearing from people and hearing what, um, what they liked and what they want to hear more about. So, 
if you have any suggestions or if you have any particular financial topics that you want to touch on or want me to touch on in my one of my future conversations definitely comment um like the video of course share the video with your friends and your family and um you know like i said shoot me a message or leave me a comment and let me know um what you want to hear from me next and we'll touch we'll touch on it a bit more in a future conversation so yep yeah, anything else you want to add before we get out of here though Jalen? Nah, man, I think, you, I think you got it all, man. Just let your fans know that, hey, start the conversations early, and we won't know that you be prepared for the worst. All right. Well, yeah, man, I appreciate you for uh, joining me tonight, for real, man. Great conversation. Well, thanks for having me, bro. And, um, yeah, before I go, got to plug the sponsor. Uh, this, this episode was sponsored in part, like always, by Large Clothing. Get your, uh, your <laughs> large hoodies, get your large tees. Uh, www.largeclothing.co living and realizing great excellence that's what we're about over here so yeah man and it's tough y'all went on video i actually got i got i got a t-shirt on right now y'all oh man see you should have been on you should have been on video tonight it's tough <laughs> well all right man um i'm gonna go ahead and let, get off of this this stream man appreciate you again for, right, man. for joining me yeah man have a good one bro all right you too